Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. All right, at some point, we need to get into DeAndre Ayton, right? You're not going to... You're not going to have the A and DA stand for apologist. We're going to get into DeAndre Ayton a little bit later, correct? Yeah, we are, Polly. Okay. Look at the show sheet. Just want to make sure because, you know, once again, bringing all that preseason intensity to a postseason game. I want to get into that because, you know, we're not going to shy away from the tough stuff here <laughs> with Polly Pinchitter in for Luke on a feel-good Friday. And what's not to like right now on a Friday? Think about it. I know, Polly. D-backs fans got rid of Madison Bumgarner. Oh, boy. Cardinals fans got those new uniforms they've been pining for for All a couple of years now. up over the whites. And then the Suns fans, they obviously got a big win. Big! <laughs> big win last night and a big performance from DeAndre Ayton. And then there's yours truly, uh, really answering the cries from the Basinonians who have said, why don't you bring somebody in who can do to Ron Wolfley what Dylan Brooks has been doing to LeBron James. <laughs> I pulled bears. That's what I'm doing today. I get, what, I'm poking say, bears. I poke bears. I, I poke, poke bears. Yeah. yeah, That's what I'm doing with you, Wolf. Taylor so. Jenkins, are you allowing him to poke bears? That's what I want to know right now. Are, is this just by happenstance, or are you directing him to do that? Because the one thing we know is, as the head coach, you're not just going to sit there passively and let him go out and do what he might want to do based on his own thinking. Right? Interesting, Paul, when you go into that. I know that's a lot for you to consider, Paul, but you might want to look at that, the psychology of sport. I don't want to take a look at anything. I want to hear from the Suns and how exactly they approach this because Kawhi Leonard was not out there and everyone was giving the Suns an automatic win, a lopsided win, obviously did not materialize. Devin Booker, after an epic 45-point performance, he explained, you know what, there was no option. They couldn't take a step back. Yeah, you know, those are those trick games that happens always throughout the year where you think somebody's missing one of their top players and you know you try to you let off the gas a little bit and they take advantage of it and and give credit to those guys they they played their asses off tonight and, you know but you know i think the whole team was prepared for that and figured they would so you know we we didn't take a step back wow it's so honest it's one of the things i appreciate the most about d-buck just how honest he is in saying that he, he laid it out for you right there that's what happens so much of the time, they don't have their best players, so you kind of take your foot off the gas. It's it's one of the reasons why I was concerned about the Suns last night and, and whether or not they would have any type of letdown. Um, I don't think there was a letdown. I think what happened is the Clippers came out in the desperation. The Clippers knowing we don't have Paul George, we don't have Kawhi Leonard, everybody that took the floor for Ty Lue. Everybody took the floor for the Clippers, came out, and gave what they had. They were desperate. They had to be. And yet the Suns took care of business, and that's the reason why I'm encouraged. Because I was concerned about this game. The opportunity to seize Game 3. How important is that right now, when you think about it? How important is it that the Suns went out and reestablished order? in this series by winning game three. 
Polly, it, it was critical they did that. And for me, once again, anytime the expectation comes pouring down on somebody, you got to fight it. You got to fight it. Because it makes you feel comfortable when there's an expectation. You're going to go out and you're going to win this game easily. And then all of a sudden you've got somebody who's a talented human being trying to keep you from doing your job. You've got to fight it with everything you got. The Suns went out. They were businesslike, in my opinion. They did what they had to do to win the game. It was a must-win for them. Kevin Durant was talking about the challenges, right? Even without Kawhi, a quiet 28 on 8 of 15, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Here's KD. Yeah, I mean, you got three dudes with 20, one guy with 40, one guy with 30. You know, you tell they were playing free and not worried about anything but just going out there and playing hard and Coach Lou gonna have his guys ready every time out, you know, so we knew it wasn't gonna be easy. But Norman Powell made shot, big shots all night, got his three ball going, which you know opened up the whole floor for him, so it made it tough to guard. And then Russ was downhill as well. We gotta do a better job in Game Four if you want to have a chance to win. Yeah, right now the Clippers' big three is Norm Powell, forty-two on fifteen to twenty-three shooting, Russell Westbrook, thirty and eleven assists. And there was a moment in last night's game where I'm like, you know who Russell Westbrook is? You know what his NFL player comp is, Russell Westbrook? Buda Baker. Buda. Never gives up. You know he just constantly runs all over the court. He's ne- from behind when you're like, who was that? What was that? And, and when it's an NFL game, a Cardinals game, whether it's a game or it's a blowout, it's always Buda Baker who comes out of nowhere. That's Russell Westbrook and just the intensity he brings. And the other big three. And the other thing, too, Paul, I want to say quickly about uh, Russell is the fact that this guy on um, his athleticism is still oh. so, oh. it's still, you can see it. Even at his age, he's a little long in the tooth by now, Bolly, but you can still see the raw athleticism that this guy brings to the floor. It's one of the reasons why he does show up in big moments. He can show up on the defensive end of the floor and make some plays the way that he has. And we've seen him do that through three games now in this series. His athleticism is off the chart. In his prime? He was the most athletic player in the NBA, <laughs> in pound the, for pound. In the most athletic yeah. league in the on the face of the planet. And, and right now, you're right. He's still elite, even at his age, with all that mileage. Here's the other thing that the Clippers have going for him, and that's their head coach. Just the defensive yeah, strategies. Right. His ability to change the approach. Would he come out in the first quarter last night? He's overplaying the perimeter, forcing, trying to force D Book and KD to give up the ball and get it inside to DA. And obviously he did not deliver and it was effective early. And in fact, after the game, Tyron Lue was talking about, well, you know what? We have experience playing without our big two. You know, we've been here before. You know, um, as crazy it may sound, you know, we have a you know, a great roster and a, and a deep team. And so other guys get an opportunity to step up and play well. And I thought all our guys did that tonight, you know. And so you hate to see PG and Kawhi go down. But, you know, we've got to control what we can control. And, you know, that's all we can do. And just come out and play hard, compete every single night. And like I said, I thought our guys did that. And so um, changing, you know, a few of the plays and changing some things we do offensively with Kawhi being out. And I thought the guys did a good job of executing that. Man, it's incredible when you think about it right now. The fact they stole game one. I don't want to even say stole. They won game one. And then game two, Paulie, was so competitive. And now all of a sudden they do not have Paul George, don't have Kawhi Leonard. 
and they were right there with an opportunity to win Game 3 once again. I, Ty Lu is a great coach, but you know what? They go out, speaking of culture, they go out and they get players that they love, players that fit their mentality and who they are. And we saw that. That was on display last night. And he said after the game, look, we wanted to be more physical, but we got to be smarter. When the Suns shoot 46 yep. free throws, if you're the Clips, you got to be smarter. The small lineup was effective. They shot 60% in the second half with a small lineup. What are the odds? All right, you know me. I'm all about the X's and O's in the NBA. Okay, That's right, Billy. That's why we grease it up on your forehead. Here's what I would do. I would go with four guards and Zubats. you got to have one rim protector out there if you're the Clips. Well, based on what we saw last night, you might just want to run five out there. Five guards. All right. What about DeAndre Ayton? Should they continue to run DA out there? I have a theory, and I think I have a solution. Oh, no. On DA next. Calvisi sitting in. Paul around ball for Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports league. Thank you, kids, Paul. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. You know what we should do about DeAndre Ayton? No. We should ask Whatever it is, no, Paul. GPT. We need to get artificial intelligence involved on DeAndre Ayton. Grab the ball, Ayton! (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Paul, I can laugh at DA's hands because Mm. I had the same hands. And you know that. You, DA, and Terrell Owens used to average (laughs) 2.7 drops per game in his Hall of Fame career. So it is possible to overcome bad hands. T.O. was that guy. Catch the ball. It's, It's frustrating. It's I mean, and it's a close, it's a close race, at least for me, watching the Suns games. And you know my deal with the Suns and the NBA in general, right? When it comes to the regular season, I'm kind of invested. No. So like NBA players, if they're not going to fully invest themselves into the regular season, then why should I? But the postseason, so you've got, I'm all about it. you got a mental load management, Paul, in More your own brain. I load manage the regular season my own self as someone who consumes oh, the NBA. Paulie, we know about your digestive system. You don't I'm going to manage. I'm going to man. You know what? Why should I take a different approach than those who are being paid handsomely? <laughs> As their employment. So I, I, I adopt a similar approach. But now in the postseason, boom, I'm all in. Edge of the seat. Here we go. Let's watch this. And it just yes. reminds you how frustrating it is. There are two players out there that I just, I just, uh, there's there's Landry Shamit. Yes. And every time he checks in, I'm reminded of the fact that Shamit rhymes with damn it. Okay, just like, Man, what is this card? Uh, okay. And then there's DeAndre Ayton. Let me ask you a question. You're such a member of the media. Bro. Let me ask you a question. If DeAndre Aiden was paid $3 million a year instead of $30 million a year, yeah. how many minutes do you think he'd get? <laughs> I, I don't think his minutes would change. Oh, come on. I, I, honestly, come on. I, okay. Wolf. Are you, gonna, are you going anywhere with this? Do you have a point, Paul? I do have a point. Like to make? That this, to me, is the end of the road for DeAndre Aiden. Because if Monty Williams couldn't quite get to DeAndre Aiden, and it led to the silent treatment last offseason... If before that, CP3 was all about DA and was his bestie and trying to get through to DeAndre Ayton, that obviously didn't work. And it almost looks like CP3 threw threw his hands up and said, okay, no mas, basta, I'm done. I see. And now, according to John Bloom, 
You know, you have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Who's taken a liking he, he, in he, the tutelage yeah, of DeAndre Ayton. That's right, Paul. Even to the point where you can witness it on the floor. Yes. He's like, DA, we need mm. this now. And you get all the urgency of a preseason game out of DeAndre Ayton. He's that teenager <sighs> who says, yeah, I'll get to it, Dad. Yeah. I'll get to it eventually. And then he never gets to it. See, it's not just, it's not all the time. That's the problem right there. It's not an all the time thing. Listen, Basin Onions, if you've listened to me over the last couple of decades, you know, I don't like criticizing people that are actually doing something that's hard to do and, and competing at the highest level we as a species can generate. It's hard, especially in professional sports. You know, think about whatever it is you're trying to do. Once again, Paul, you're trying to perform. I I don't know. You're an accountant. And I would imagine at some point in time, you've got to write numbers down on a sheet, Paul. And somebody's literally trying to keep you from doing that, (laughs) from writing it down. Can you imagine how difficult that would be? Um, It's hard. It's hard to compete at the highest level our species can generate in a professional sport. It is. But the one time... I don't mind criticizing is when I think somebody's not given his all or giving what he could or what he should. I, how many times I have walked up to a dude in a locker room and said, what are you doing? You're not giving it. How many times somebody walked up to me early in my career and said, what are you doing? You're not giving it. How many times that happened? How many times I, I I cannot tell you, Paul. I just know that it 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 is something that I have a problem with, even even to this day, is watching somebody who has all the gifts not give it. And I thought last night, just watching Da, I, I didn't think he was giving it, and that makes me mad, frankly. I would hope so, because. The problem with your whole accountant theory and analogy is that what if that accountant was the 0.1% of accountants in the world and was being paid $30 million a year on a max contract? Is it fair to expect that the accountant would get the job done in those circumstances? Even if somebody was trying to keep them from writing exactly those numbers Exactly, because there are expectations when you're paid to that degree, even as an accountant. So, DA... I, I said I, it before. I, Look, I said it, and I have a solution here in a minute. Okay. You're, you're, First off, here's Devin Booker after the game talking about that late game eight and rebound. Yeah, you know, that's what I said when they're, you know, going five five guards out there and you miss shot, I'm telling you, yeah, you should have it. You know, there should be no guard that can box you out, and he did just that. That was important. You realize in game one, yeah. he was out-rebounded by his own point guard. Yeah, you realize right, third, right. soon to be 38 year old Chris Paul oh, had significantly more rebounds in game one than your seven foot center. How does that happen? Six foot Chris Paul versus seven foot DeAndre Ayton. That's all you needed to see was in game one. What's going on? Yeah. You know, uh, again, um, I'm, th- I'm talking about game three specifically right now, Paul. I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but. When that five-guard lineup came out, I was looking at, you know, D.A. when he was out there at the 8-12 mark, as a matter of fact. That's when Monty put him in. The five-guard lineup was out there, and D.A. came out with the um, 8-12 mark, at the 8-12 mark, I should say. And to me, the, the lack of production from him 
against that was startling, was it not? It, it really was. When you stop and think about some of the numbers that he put up, it, three rebounds. Now, you know, okay. Um, one foul, not, by the way. Just one. That's just one foul. Bad. Yeah, that's not bad, though. Three rebounds. Two of them were offensive rebounds as well. Okay. I, I know, Paul. I wouldn't I know mind if thinking. he fouled out every once in a while. But he, just bring it. He The goaltending violation that he had, he missed two critical free throws as well. Those were his numbers. Against a, a lineup that had five guards, man, I, I, if that isn't a blight, if if that honestly, um, and you have to wonder, is that going to impact this team going forward at all? Will it impact them at all? I, I've talked about this so many times, but it's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. It is. You can have an old king, you can have a young king, can't have a mad king, and and a mad king does some damage. And when you constantly have got to get in somebody's face to get them to do their job, that's that's a grind, it's a wear, and it's a tear. I hope that's not the case here. I hope it isn't. And I'm holding out hope that it's not going to be a, a situation that impacts everyone else around D.A. But that's the one concern. If you ask me anything about the Suns right now, the very first concern that I have is the bench, and the second one is D.A., those two things. Does it take, forget Monty Williams or CP3 or now Kevin Durant, does it take Pat Bev to motivate DeAndre Ayton? Remember early December, late November, yeah. whenever, and he took the shove from behind and he got shoved down, and what did he do yeah, the next right. three or four games? He got mad. He actually went off. He actually realized he was being clowned for not responding to Pat Bev shoving him no. from behind, and then he took it out on the opponents the next three or four games. If you check those box scores, see, it was ridiculous. And see, Polly, what you're saying right there, that you're, you're so right on that, but that becomes a wear and tear, not on D.A., on everyone else around him. Because they're like, oh, you will respond at some point in time. You will use all the gifts that you've been given at some point. Why can't you do it yourself, bro? Why can't you do it consistently, night in and night out? That was the one bummer of last night. It was the last 8-12 in DA working against a five-guard lineup. And the fact that... He didn't shine. Because if you have designs on winning the NBA title, let's hit zoom out for a minute. And that's exactly what the objective is here. When you trade Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder and four yeah. first-round picks, make no doubt about it. The end goal here is to win the NBA title. Once again, the biggest threat to the Suns, I don't really consider to be the Clips or the Nuggets or the Warriors. It's will this team wear down? Will KD, the big three, Wear down. Yeah. And you need that bench. You need DeAndre Ayton. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, Cardinals, how are they approaching next week's NFL draft? You're going to hear what head coach Jonathan Gannon said last night. And we've got some interesting developments at number three overall. We'll talk about that and more. Calvisi sitting in for Luke. Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, now you got my attention. What's your name again? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Old school Bon Scott, bring it. I mean, this is Wolf. 
A little bit later, Paulie Pencilneck, I'm going into the weight room. Artistic version is a nod now. You think that Kyler Murray was able to squat a lot of weight? Load that bar up, put on some old school ACDC, and I'll crush it in the weight room. Paulie, this is just a soundtrack, of course, we're playing right now. The music. I know it's it's not the artistic version. I know. You went Bon Scott right there. I get it, Paul. This is. you know, sort of, you know, actually, it's sort of apropos, Wolf. It's, you know, you're here, but are, you know, you and DA and this soundtrack, you know, yeah. just uh, there's something missing. And all okay. three of these things happen in threes. I mean, where's Agnes right there? You want to, you do, you do an excellent Agnes Young, do you not? Angus, you mean? I mean, Angus. Yeah. Did I say Agnes? Like she got an Angus. You're doing excellent Angus. You know? I do not. Just stop. Just stop. I uh, look Jonathan Gannon last night. Okay, uh, he was he he was basically the energy version of old school ACDC. This yeah. guy, uh, it, it's unbelievable. I, I'm really curious to see what he's going to be like on game day on the sideline because people are just feeding. Off yeah. his energy, it is nonstop, Ron Wolfley. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, I, I love the energy. I really do. I love the things that he says more than anything else. I, I love the fact that he'll lay it on the line and speak very clearly. And I love the way that he is thinking. When you hear him say, they're going to be our culture, the guys inside that locker room, they're going to be our culture. And I'm paraphrasing here, but to me right now, yeah, who's in charge of actually setting that culture up? Who's in charge? of putting those human beings inside that locker room. The head coach, of course, and Monty Ossenfort, the general manager, they're in charge of filling that locker room with raw material, that being human beings. And then you let them figure it out. But you're the guy, you're the one putting those guys and their mentality into the locker room just knowing what's going to happen. I love the way that he thinks. I love the process that he brings. But having said that, once again, you got to be careful about the energy. You have to be careful about it. It's got to be genuine all the time. You don't want vets looking at you like you're Mr. Energy. You, you've got to be able to actually get on top of that. You got to use it when you need it and apply it when you need it. But, um, you got to be careful with it. Remember, he has a scouting background before he got into coaching full time. So good he, point. He has a vested interest, and he was uh, talking about the draft last night. It was the Q and A with JG, and simply put, what are the Cardinals going to do at number three, Coach? If you guys, if you guys can help us out, who we should take at three? I'm all ears. But there we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, we'll see. Um, no, I don't. I honestly don't pay attention too much to outside mock drafts and opinions of players. We have a good process that we go through to vet all that. We've been going on. That's been going on for a couple months here now. But uh, excited for next Thursday, and uh, you guys should be too because we got a really good plan. One of the co-hosts followed up and asked him about, okay, by the time you're done with one of these top 30 visits, do you have a pretty good idea of what a person is made of, of their personality, if you want that player in your locker room? And he nodded accordingly. He feels pretty confident. You Mm. can discern exactly what someone might be like. Now, at the same time, are they picking number three? Are they going to pick number seven? trade with the Raiders? Are they going to pick number four or trade with the Colts? Could they go all the way down to number 11? Yeah. There's a lot of noise or out more, there. more, Paul, even. How much noise is out there? So we said, okay, can you put a number, oh, I don't know, on how many draft trade calls you fielded this week? That's a better question for Monty, but <laughs> double digits. Oh, Whoa! Hello! 
Okay. Um, that doesn't surprise me, though. It, it, double di- it surprised me you said it, <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me that it's double digits. Does that make sense? And if that gets out there, you know what? All the better. All the better for all the teams it who really are thinking. Is. All the teams who are thinking that, oh, okay, you know what? The quarterbacks will go one, two, and then there won't be many people clamoring for number three. Yo. You would be wrong Yo. based on that answer. No, you're right about that, Paulie, but stop and think about this, and I know you know it, but the fulcrum point of this draft is no longer the Arizona Cardinals at number three. It really is the Houston Texans at number two and what they're going to do. So they say. Two. Are you buying this the noise what, coming know, out of Houston? I know, Paul. This is, what, this is what I love about this. You know this. This time of year, it's, it, it's so good. The most powerful thing in the world is PR this time of the year where you can actually release stories. You can actually leak something to some of these guys, Paul, that are that are insiders, so to speak, right? And in the media, and yet they know so many people, and suddenly you can leak something to them that they might repeat, and it will paint a picture as to what it is you're doing when you really are not doing that at all. It's just, it's incredible this time of year. I'm not saying I buy it. I'm just saying it seems interesting that when the Carolina Panthers said Bryce Young is going to be our guy, Bryce Young's going to be our guy at number one, that's when Houston started, we started hearing that Houston, Houston might take a player, Will Anderson. They might just actually take an actual player. That's when we started hearing that when the news came down that Bryce Young, oh, Bryce Young, by the way, he has canceled all his other visits. Why is that? Because obviously he's going to be a Carolina Panther. Now, if you're, if you're the Houston Texans, hang that shingle up, baby. For sale. What do you got to lose? Maybe you loved Bryce Young. Maybe you loved him and you thought he was going to be there because the Carolina Panthers were going to take C.J. Stroud. That's no longer the case. So now you just kind of like C.J. Stroud. We like him and we will draft him if he's there. But we don't love him like we love Bryce Young. What are you going to do if you're sitting there at number two? You're going to hang the shingle for sale and see what you get. Why wouldn't you? That's why Houston right now is the fulcrum to the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, ain't no way they run Davis Mills and Kyle Allen out there again right, at quarterback. I'm with you on I that. I mean, the Houston Texan fans will mutiny. I'm with you on that, but who's it going to be? Is it is it going to be C.J. Stroud? Is it going to be Anthony Richardson? Will Levis? Who's it going to Forget be? Forget Houston for a moment. Who's Agnes it gonna, Young, Paul, or Angus? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be for the Arizona Cardinals? Because I asked the head coach last night, you ever seen the movie Draft Day? You're all about Kevin Costner. You like to wear your Yellowstone hat around on the weekends, okay? Well, once upon a time, he played that NFL GM. He was Sonny Weaver Jr. And if you remember the beginning of that movie, and it descended into absurdity by the end, but the very beginning, he takes a post-it note, and he writes the name of the player he covets on the post-it note. So I said, hey, coach, just between us, is there a player you covet in this draft? In Jonathan Gannon. Yes. Yes. Multiple players that I really covet. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get them, too. Uh, oh! Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
No, I think uh, it was cool because we said, uh, Monty and I did an exercise at the beginning of this week, and we said, all right, dude, like seriously now. Like we got the board stacked, and you told me who you like, and I told you who I liked. Like who do we have, like who do we love that we want to wear red, white, and black? You'll see the new unis in a minute. And um, I said, uh, and he goes, all right, let's write them down. I said, all right, I'll write them down too. And out of 10 guys, we had eight of the same. So I think we're, we're in lockstep and uh, excited to go for Thursday. See, that's my problem right now. I have my precious. I have him. His name is Will Anderson Ball. So does he mean that <laughs> when he says we're going to get him too, there's yeah. a player we covet, and we're going to get him? Does that mean there are three players in this draft they love, and they're guaranteed to get one of the three at number three? Or is there already a deal in place? <laughs> I don't know, Paulie. Score no the idea. hottest ticket in town. Wolf, you're paid to have answers, and you really, you've had very few today. Paul, you're the member of the media. Knock it off. Suns playoff tickets. Man, can you score the hottest ticket in town? Just text TICKET to 62620. Register and listen for your name Monday and Tuesday during the 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. hours for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. That's TICKET to 62620. Tory Craig, starting lineup. I'd, you know, Wolf, we'll, okay. Monty Williams, one of his best decisions in this playoffs. Yes or no, yay or nay, that is next in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. Now we get lyrics. What's going on? Of course, thankfully, they're not the same lyrics Wolf was playing before the show. The NSFW, not suitable for watching at work. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. Um, Whatever it takes to fire you up for a show here. Uh, Once again, you got to match my energy, Paulie Pinch Hitter, in for Luke. I was not aware that we're on video. That we're multimedia here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Is that correct? Yes, Paul, we are. Okay. Well, um, they're going to tweet it out, Paulie. My my answer to that would be akin to when I had I was in last month, right? And and, and I was dealing with Bernsey's nonsense and finally at one point I just it's why I went to chat GPT at the end of the show. Yeah. And then Mitchell Palooza screwed it up. Okay. But we would have Weren't you glad you were on the stage last night with JJ, of course, right? Yes. Yeah. And Danny Sirac, you yeah. were on the yeah. stage, Paul. Yes, right. Weren't you glad it wasn't David Charles? Burns on the stage <laughs> right. with people. I found out the hard way back in the day. <laughs> Christmas Carol. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. The th- Look here, Joe. Oh, no. Here's our no. chance. No. Listen to that, David no. Charles. David Charles is a thespian like you don't even know, Basinoni. I just got set up. The two of you are, it's a two-man game. You and Maloney, I just got set up. I just got flim-flammed right here. You were leading me right into that facial that I took up on the stage when (laughs) Bernsey just... I mean, Paul, I you know mean, what you was so disappointing about him. that? What? Was, the disappointment what? was twofold okay. that year. Number one, it was the first year I wasn't cast as Tiny Tim. Okay. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> here's my big chance, and I get up there, and then Percy just turns on the, the theatrical flair, yes, and I just got pounded. Look here, Joe. Here's our chance. Come on. Boy, you're not going to take his things, are you? Why oh, not? They won't miss him. Oh. Not a dead man. <laughs> no, I suppose not. Everyone has a right to take care of himself. He always did. Now, open up that bundle, Joe, and tell me the value of it. Oi, what do you call this? Fed cuts? Ah, 
bed curtains. I don't drop the oil upon the blankets now. His blankets? Who else's? Okay, that's enough out of you, David Charles. We all know you're the best broadcaster in the history of broadcasting. Do you know the anxiety and the chills that are going down my spine right now? (laughs) I don't think I've ever had my keister blown in the wind with the red light on like that moment on stage. I had done zero prep or rehearsal, and Bernsey had been sitting in his back closet for like weeks rehearsing that role. You were in trouble, man. Okay, Paulie. Um, So anyway, my point about this when I mentioned Bernsey was I asked him last month, I said, you know, ask me the question just ask me who i would like as the fifth member of the starting lineup no beyond katie cp3 devin booker and deandre ayton do you know my answer yeah jo you would have said no no my my answer and i'll quote myself i don't care (laughs) it didn't matter who was the fifth member of the starting lineup. Okay, why? Maybe why I should rethink that, that, that now, though. Should I rethink that, I, Ron Wolfley? I think it's possible. Can you give you us an answer at all during this show? Do you think I should reassess my answer? Does uh, it matter? Paul, I, first of all, yes. I, I do think you ought to reassess your answer. Okay, everything. You ought to reassess your life. I think you need, to fact, think, you need to think about what the answer should be as I go to Monty Williams talking about, oh, I don't know, Tory Craig. I mean, he works on his game, you know. We've had a number of conversations about um, being consistent with his shot. Um, Last year, he had a tendency to shoot it and pull it back. And we just talked this summer about just staying with his shot and being consistent with that. You know, and he puts a lot of work into it, and I think the guys trust him. So it's good to see him be able to do that because they're going to try to take away DA's dive and his mid-range shot and book and Kevin when they have the ball or when they're on the weak side. So Tory ends up getting uh, a number of open looks. He didn't get that many tonight, but the ones he did get, uh, he knocked down. He, he was six for six from the free throw line, which is great. Yeah, that's the takeaway from Monty's takeaway. Trust the rest of the guys on the floor. Trust Tory Craig. So when it's a game, a three-point game. What, 90 seconds to play or so. And all of a sudden, he cans that Mondo three-pointer. KD trusted him enough to actually send him the ball in crunch time. In fact, here's Kevin Durant on finding Torrey Craig for the late three. Yeah, I, I felt like I made a good move to get downhill, and then I see Bones Highland, man. In the NBA, we teach not to really come out the corner that on a strong side corner like that, but uh, he kind of got outside of his principles, and I seen him running at me, and I trust he's seen that moment. He took it with all the confidence in the world. He's been shooting that with confidence this whole series, and I'm glad he knocked that down. We was able to get some separation. Yeah, for me right now, um, it's I know we're having the conversation about Torrey Craig, Polly. But the bench is a major concern to me right Big time. now. And, and we've known Legit. this. We've known this going into the postseason. We, we know that it was going to be an area everybody was watching very, very closely. It's one of the reasons why many people believe that Torrey Craig would not be the starter, even though that, that might be the best starting five you can put together. But just the fact he could bring you a little something coming off of the bench as well. Maybe they'd stick with J.O. I think that still is going to be a possibility going forward, depending on the matchups. Um, provided that the Suns get out of this series, of course, as I'm expecting them to do. But it's going to be interesting to see how he used Torrey Craig and the bench. And the bench is a concern. The one thing I will say is Bismarck Biambo 
is a guy that I think has got to get more minutes. I know that everybody's concerned about his free throws and his free throw attempts. Hack a biz. Hack a biz. And you know that's going to be the case right there. And he was two of five from the line last night, of course. But he only played 11 minutes. He only played 11 minutes. He got five free throw attempts when you think about it. But also, he was plus 18. And, you know, when everyone else on the bench is a negative and he's plus 18, uh, you just, you watch him play. There are so many things that Biz does, so many things. And we've talked about this many times in the past, Paulie. Even personally, we've had these conversations. But there are many things that he brings to the floor. If you just watch him, he makes many plays where he doesn't even touch the ball. It's just because of his activity. It's it's something that, once again, I you would hope that D.A. would be able to look at and say, that's, that's exactly how I need to play. Biz plays with force, even though he's not as gifted as DeAndre Ayton, of course, nowhere close. Even though he doesn't have his size, he doesn't have his explosiveness, his raw athleticism, a 40-inch vertical from a man who's seven foot tall in D.A., doesn't have his length. Biz plays with force and is a great example, and I think he needs to play more. I feel for Monty Williams. I really do. He never knows what he's going to get from his bench game to game. And I know Monty took a lot of heat after the game one loss, and I get it. Landry Shamit played 23 minutes, and he was negative 14 out there. It was way too much, but you know what? He played himself out of the rotation, and deservedly so. You're trying to figure out what you have, but somebody's got to give him a consistent answer off that bench. In fact, Torrey Craig was just asked about that, finding a consistent shot. Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of been on me about my shot being consistent. But, um, his thing was it was too inconsistent. I shoot it different ways every time. So uh, I've tried to focus on kind of shooting it the same way every time and it's been working out for me. Feeling pretty consistent lately? Yeah, no, I feel, feel definitely feeling consistent lately. Because, again, Devin Booker in three games has missed a combined 11 and a half minutes. Yeah. Yeah, Paulie. It's, so now it's extrapolate that out into June. <laughs> Is no. that sustainable? Is that viable? Plausible? Feasible? What? No. The answer is no. No. So somebody the, better figure it out off the bench. Give Monty an answer. Yeah, no. The answer is no. You got Devin Booker out there, 45 minutes. Kevin Durant, 42 minutes. Chris Paul, 41. Man, I... I those those numbers again, yeah, I get it. I understand it's hard to take them off the floor, um, but that you can't sustain that through the postseason. You can't do that. So coming up later, Bernsey's going to join us. We'll see if he has an answer to the bench. Callan Olson is going to join us on this edition of Wolf and Luke, starring yours truly, Paul Calvisi. Coming up next, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch, Wolf and Luke, right on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.